Welcome to The Growth Show with Matt Lindsay, where we discuss growth strategies both for business and a personal perspective. Introducing our host, Matt Lindsay. Matt is a former banker and corporate financier. He now spends his time building his own companies organically and through acquisition, as well as raising capital for other businesses. Matt works with a wide variety of entrepreneurs and investors. Good morning and welcome to The Growth Show. Today's guest is Dr. Steve Day. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing? Hey, good morning. Very nice to see you. Likewise, likewise. It's been some time since we since we had our um, fabled night out with Ozan. Big shout out to Ozan. <laughs> um, hey, where Ozan. we yeah we were we were at Canary Wharf PPN and um, you were you were presenting on your systems and outsourcing business, which I I. Uh, attended and then we went and drank wet red wine expensive red wine till very late in the evening yeah so i've been told <laughs> <laughs> and what a night it was no we had a good time and we 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 have i don't think we've actually spoken since then but we've kind of kept in touch communicated from time to time via social media media etc yeah. and i reached out to you probably about three or four months ago and we've been trying to get this in the diary for some time and what I think is really interesting is the way that you have built these these systems to extrapolate yourself from your life, not entirely, of course, but but partially. And that's one of the things that I've tried to implement in some of my businesses. Um, but before we go into all that stuff, if you could just provide a bit of narrative about your background and your history, um, that would be really helpful just to introduce our viewers and listeners. That'd be most appreciated. Yeah, of course. Um, so first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, my life as a business owner has been a bit of a um, uh, convoluted path to get to where I am now. And I'm now doing something I'm totally passionate about. I absolutely love it. I'm a bit of a geek, um, to say the least. And I get to, my, to spend my days helping other business owners figure out the complex messes that they get themselves in and make sense of it, make it streamlined, make it organized and get other people to do all their work for them. And and using some apps and technology, but really just about processes and about standardization, about stuff that a lot of people find dull as dishwater, and I absolutely love it. And so, you know, my best days are spent dug it, stuck into a, a good flowchart and uh, and figuring out how to optimize uh, processes. And so that's where I'm at now. But it's been, as I say, it's been a, a bit of a, a winding path to get here. And I started out life as a property investor back in 2002 when I was in my early 20s leaving university and bought my first investment property did that for about seven years eight years and then um a couple of messed up businesses I basically ran out of money um, nearly bankrupted myself properly um almost messed up my property business as well and so I lost confidence in what I was doing as a, as a business owner um, and decided to retrain as a doctor and thinking oh, that would be a great you know, easy path into uh, into a career at 27 years old and my parents were doctors, so it's sort of following their footsteps, but a bit later in life than most people do. Um, but as a doctor, I felt completely trapped. I felt I was working on someone else's agenda. I couldn't really even decide where I was going to live, let alone what hours I worked or the schedules I was on. And it was a long, long road ahead. I mean, I did it for eight years, and it was sort of another five years that I was going to have to work before I got to a point where I had any flexibility and, and really control over anything. And for me, it just wasn't, I wasn't getting from it enough to justify continuing down that path with my heart always sat really in the whole business world. And all I kept on dreaming of was ways I could 
create sort of sideline businesses while I was doing medicine and end up as a result burning out completely trying to juggle too many things and end up coming back into the world of prop, uh, business sorry and start out going back into property where we met PPN property uh, networking event and I was presenting then though the idea what I've come up with all the, the the methodology about creating systems for your business which is what I've mentioned before and it was in trying to systemize or not in trying to in systemizing my own property business and remove myself from the day-to-day that I then ended up finding out finding this path and as I said I absolutely love what I do now so that's my slightly convoluted short history of what I did and how I got here. Interesting and so how did you so you built this portfolio so so what inspired you to to to, to get the property portfolio going in the first first instance because obviously at that time you're quite young and yeah probably challenging to you know get people to take you seriously at that age what what was your kind of first steps did you do kind of any training or anything like that what was your kind of motivation there no i mean the world back then in property was very, very different. There were there probably were a few training things if I dug into it, but I had no idea what I was doing. I was just winging it. And the reason I, I bought my first property was I was paying, even back then, so we're talking 20 years ago, odd, and um, I was paying 110 quid a week or something like that for a, an apartment in Manchester, or a room, sorry, in, a, in a, an apartment in Manchester. Um, and I just did the math, basically. I've always loved maths and numbers and money and just figured it out. It's like worked out what the mortgages would cost and they weren't, as, you know, obviously going up now at the time we were recording this, but mortgages have been very cheap for a very long time. But even back then at six, 7% uh, interest rates, I could still make a really decent, well, I could looked like on paper, I'd make a really decent profit. And that was it. That was the reason. And I also have spent before that spent years just, just, doing renovation stuff for my dad you know hands-on I, I love working with my hands and being just grafting and and so it just seemed like a good match um and I had a little bit of inheritance and when I say a little it's about eight grand I think um back then and with a little bit of uh, partnership with my dad which took months of convincing to actually for him to actually invest in this with me uh we we went 50 50 on a deposit for our first property and it was about 90 grand um and that was it from then it just i grafted did all the work myself everything full full rip outs of properties plumbing electrics plastering brickwork the whole works decorating and then i did all my own management all my own uh lettings everything and uh and did that for seven years just at a time where you didn't have to do a lot to make money in property because the property market was going up so rapidly then that i was able to just remortgage reinvest and and build up a, a modest portfolio but it was enough to sustain me and you know make the decision that as I said before 27 to actually go on a different route because I kept on failing at business uh, well everything I tried I seemed to just screw up so but, but, <laughs> I had decided that yeah go into something but, else but importantly you kept hold of the real estate and that kind of yes. kept, kept you going yeah yeah that kept me afloat yeah yeah so so what else did you do what were the things that you failed at um, I started a recruitment agency with a friend okay. of mine. She was uh, she'd worked as a recruitment for a long time, and she wanted to go out on her own. So um, she was looking for both an investment to get started, but also as a, a business partner to help her with networking and, and marketing and the, and the like. So I did that for for a few years and spent my mornings going off to these coffee meets that you do with in the business networking groups and nervously back then just like sweating standing up and giving these terrible terrible presentations about what we did as a company and you know trying futilely futilely that's not a real word but yeah 
in, whatever it didn't work i wasn't getting a lot of clients in from doing from doing this stuff but you know good learning experience and and set me in good stead for later in life when i started doing presenting again and so that was one uh, that sort of didn't go to plan we just ran out of money basically we couldn't get the clients in to sustain the, the outgoings and then i started uh, i moved to australia for a year with a view to maybe actually emigrating out there and started a business with a bunch of canadians i met that was um doing photo a photographic studio randomly um and it just seemed like a good business sense they, they had a really good marketing uh, set up for uh, walk, like literally walking out with coupons and meeting people in the street and actually amazingly high conversion or sales rates on these coupons and be able to actually get people in the door and then um so it just seemed like it would it would work but again sadly badly run business um i was meant to be a silent investor and i ended up working even though i was meant to sort of be on holiday working 16 hour days like sleeping in the in the office getting up in the morning you know trying to just sort out the the uh, the, the operational nightmare that was uh, going on with that and I guess that was that was my first real exposure to um, how badly businesses can be run and how hard they are to actually fix uh, when, when they get to that point. And and then really to the importance of starting with systems rather than trying to apply systems to something, you know, which has become a, a mess like that one had. Um, so unfortunately, you know, I didn't manage to save it and uh, end up coming back terrible to my legs. And that's when I came into medicine because I was just demoralized and uh, lost all faith in myself as a business owner and decided that I needed a more sensible career so yeah so, so you became a, yeah, a more sensible career in a traditional kind of yeah, yeah. kind of sense uh, but I guess you'd kind of had some entrepreneurial inklings and probably the NHS or private doctor world isn't that entrepreneurial is that fair I get, to say? I get I guess it can be if if you can be quite entrepreneurial in it but like I was saying for me to have that uh, independence to be able to do that so there's a there was a big move in which people might know in in the uk about um uh, gps practices for example consolidating and becoming businesses more than more than sort of a care they are caregivers but they're run as a business much more so yeah. there was that opportunity but it was just so far away from where i was in my training and it was also again you just it was pigeonholing me into this is what i'm going to do whereas it wasn't the passion wasn't there for me to say that's actually what I want to spend the rest of my life you know I was 35-ish at the time I can't remember exactly when it was um I think you know I've got a long a long stint ahead of me now and I've got the most of my working life still ahead of me um and I moved to Sweden as well which is one of the catalysts of, of actually quitting medicine was um just having to the thought of relearning medicine in a new language not the practical skills but the you know having to communicate in a totally new language and at a level which was conducive to actually helping people like and so a lot of medicine which i'm sure people don't realize is a huge, a huge amount of medicine for me anyway was the people side it was about um, being being able to be empathetic and understanding and listen and trying to do that in a second language was not something I caught, thought I could do very easily. And that was the final, the, the straw on the donkey's back, so to speak, that went, now, this is the time, this is the right moment in my life to, to make that, you know, that decision and actually go and find out what I really wanted to do. Um, I had no idea. I literally left medicine, um, moved to Sweden, didn't have a job, had a, a bit of income from my properties, but not huge, and just sort of tried to figure out what the hell I was going to do with the rest of my life. So, yeah. <laughs> A little bit scary, but it was, you know, it turned out all right in the end. 
Yeah, and and what was the catalyst to get get you to go to Sweden? Uh, Swedish wife. She right. decided to go, and I thought it'd be you know it'd be it'd be rude not to follow her. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. So we moved over with the with the vision actually of uh, moving over here, having a couple of years of enjoying living in Stockholm and just living the high life, and then having a family. Uh, but things don't always work out as you plan, and we actually arrived with a. Uh, I arrived with a six month. Uh, Six month old now. My wife was six months pregnant, however you say that. Right. And so we had basically just fell into the life of being a family together in Sweden. And uh, that's it. Uh, yeah. So that was the, the move or the reason why. Okay. And, and, and then, so at that time, you were beginning to systemize your property business, if I, if I remember correctly. So you were implementing ways of extrapolating oneself from, from that on a, on a kind of day to day operational basis. So you did that for your own for your own things first, and then decided to try and replicate that with clients. Is that is that kind of a fair assessment of what happened? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've always I did a degree a degree in computing um, right. in the early days, so back in two thousand two thousand two, um, or two, yeah, whatever back then. And um, so I've I've always had this this mind about or mindset around the idea of systems and processes and just the way my brain sort of works and flow charts and process mapping and all the rest of it. So that's sort of been ingrained in me since the early days and I doing programming. It's a very logical um, uh, process to go through. And, and it's the way you sort of see how things work is, is that sort of mindset, that sort of, yeah, that mindset. And so I've always had that in my businesses, even before I started outsourcing stuff, but I used to, spent hours and hours writing like long-winded guides for me so my bit my property business was uh, on annual cycles it was student lets right. and so i just do the same stuff every time but a year later and i got a terrible memory like really bad and i literally it was like i was just starting from scratch every single year and trying to remember what the hell i did and so it was first of all my systems were for me they were how do i make sense of what i'm doing on an annual basis standardize it so the same thing happens every year and to actually yeah not waste huge amounts of time trying to reinvent the wheel every every 12 months um and then like you said so then i i apply that more to actually getting other people to do my work for me so i delved into the world of, of hiring uh, an assistant first off in the uk and then in eastern europe and then actually over in uh, the philippines and so figuring out how to to get stuff off my back, out of my head, down the way that other people could actually do it without my involvement, and then managing to then do that with anyone anywhere in the world without me actually sort of managing them, so to speak, on a day-to-day -day basis. That was the journey I went on. And when I got there, I thought, this is, this is awesome. Um, other people need to know how to do this. And obviously, I wasn't the first person to come up with this in you know, books like four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, sure. uh, you know, inspirations for me uh, and, and the e-myth by my, Michael Gerber. So these sorts of ideas I borrowed from places and just applied it very much practically into what I was doing at the time. Um, and every, I was going to networking events all the time for property because I was thinking I was going to get back into my property big time. And I was looking at commercial conversions and like con converting office blocks into apartments and, and so I was in networking groups all the time and then people would ask me about, you know, what, you know, what my interests were. And I just talk about systems and, and virtual assistants and all that sort of automations and stuff. And, and it was like people just, they were crying out for it. Like they, they desperately needed it. You could see they were just drowning in 
in work. They were going to all the training courses I was doing, but they were doing all the work themselves. They were doing all the property sourcing or the deal analyzing or whatever it was themselves. And I was like, you don't have to do it yourself. There's a way to get other people to do all that time consuming stuff for you. And that's how it started. And I, I literally just pitched, I had a, a kind of which came first, the Facebook group or the, or the, or the, um, the course. But anyway, I just basically pinged out a message onto Facebook and said, look, um, I, I've, I've done this stuff. Does anyone want me to show you how I did it? Uh, and I had six uh, unsuspecting people sign up for that first ever beta, which is what I wanted, that cohort. And um, and their results were just phenomenal, like better than mine. And I was just like, wow, if I, you know, if this works for other people as well, then maybe there's something to it. Um, and that was the start of a, a journey, you know, a six year journey to get me to this point now. And and it's been fun. Yeah. Interesting. And And so... So to rewind, we've all. I think every business has bits in it that don't function properly, don't work. How do you kind of go through the process of dissecting it, looking for ways to improve it? And I guess you're writing SOP, standard operating procedures for the business. So there's a lot of work that goes into creating this as a kind of architecture that the, that you can then basically implement. So you kind of have to strip everything back and start again. Is that is that right? Yeah and no. Um, it's a, yeah, an interesting take on it. Um, the way that we do it, what was born really, or the way that I do it now, and the way I teach it, is the fact that books like I mentioned before, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, brilliant mm. book. If you haven't read it, you can listen to this and yeah, read it. And uh, what it gives you is a a different way of looking at your role in your business. And it makes you think that, you know, the, the, the thing that you need to do as a business owner is lead the business, nothing else. Mm. And your job as a, as a entrepreneur starting out is to find out, find a way to get there. So mm. to stop doing the work in your business and start, as he talks about it, working on your business rather than working in your business. Mm-hmm. And that in theory is awesome. The yeah. problem is, is actually doing it practically because by the, the simple nature is of the fact that you're basically a, a, he talks really uh the book's really aimed at sort of one person band businesses um but the principles are, are for any any size business and um the problem is that if you've ever been a business owner like if you even if it's you or you've got a couple of the people if things aren't systemized like you're just basically drowning like you are overwhelmed you're stressed there's never enough time to get stuff done you're just just getting the day-to-day stuff is more than a day's work and so the challenge that most people found, and I found in the, big, the early days, is you mentioned writing SOPs. Like one SOP could take 20 minutes, an hour, three hours, like depending mm-hmm. on the complexity of it. And you've got hundreds of these things you need to, need to create. And so, so the first challenge I tried to overcome was, okay, so how do I find the time to do this and then not waste my time even doing it? Like how do I find time to even make the plan, but then actually not do the work? Yeah. And that was the, the game changer for me was when I figured that out to say, okay, rather than say, saying, I knew you talked about like optimizing your business process and stuff that that comes actually much, much later. Right. And that's why when most people talk about systems in businesses, they say you should get to a certain point in your business before you even think about it. Sure. You should actually have processes that you use every day that, you know, and now you're looking to optimize and now you need to start thinking about creating docu- documenting your systems and creating your SAPs and all stuff. Because most people look at it as, as a way to improve sort of the standard and get people to work more efficiently. Whereas the way I see it and the way that I took on board was this isn't something for me to improve stuff. Okay, yeah, you can do that and you do do that later. But this mm. is a way for me to survive 
to me for me to actually free up enough time to start thinking about optimization of of, of what I'm doing. Because right. if I'm stuck at the coal phase, just working, 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 there's no you can't you haven't got the ability to just lift your head up and actually sort of look objectively at your business. Mm. And so that was the 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 crux of it that, that I had to nail. And it was how do I get stuff out of my head down in such a way that other people can do my work without my involvement as quickly as possible and then get them to create the systems or them to do the documentation for me. Right. And so rather than looking at your your business and saying all this stuff that you're not doing, and that's what a lot of people think about when they they hire in people. It's like, look, I'm, I'm too busy to think about marketing. I'm going to hire someone to do my marketing for me. The problem is every person you hire in to do something new, you just create more work for yourself. They may be doing the lion's share. You're going to have to feed them with whatever information they need to get their work done. You're going to have to review their work. You're going to have to give them feedback. You're going to basically now have more work to do. So even though you do need that thing, whether it's someone doing your, your bookkeeping or someone doing your your uh, your marketing whatever that's got to come second the first thing you got to do is just look at you what are you doing right now you are actually doing right now and how do you stop doing it so we, when we teach people on our courses how, how we do this we just have a process we call it personal systemization plan and it's about what am i doing right now that i actually shouldn't really be doing let's get that out of my head as quickly as possible we have a method of recording videos really quickly so as you're doing a task anyway so yeah. It's not like you're adding extra work, extra work to your workload. And this is a key, key concept is I'm going to go and do whatever it is. So updating my website, for example. So mm. instead of me thinking, oh, I've got to go and update my website and I've got to do that again next week is I'm going to update my website just like I've been doing for the past six months because I'm one, one person. Man. But this is the last time I'm ever, ever going to do it. And then so next time you do it, you hit record and you capture all the information needed in that video. It's a scripted video, but it's very, it takes a couple of minutes to actually create more than you would have spent doing the task anyway. And that is now the first piece of the puzzle because now you've captured the how of that task. And then we have a, a standard process called the didact process, which, which we then give, give that video to a virtual assistant for three, $4 an hour. They turn that into a, system or an operation manual which can be delegated to anybody and it captures absolutely everything you you've, you've you need to complete that task and that's it so now i've just freed up whatever it is 10 minutes a day doing that that's and every 10 minutes you add up so 10 minutes a day 50 minutes a week add up over the course of a year 240 hours about 40 um sorry 240 minutes about 40, 40 hours a, a I'm getting my maths wrong here, doing this live. 10 <laughs> yeah, minutes a day. Don't when you do live maths. <laughs> no, no. 10 minutes a day. Just trust me on this one. You can do the math. If you say that 10 minutes and you add it up over the course of a year. So 10 minutes a day roughly equals about 40 hours of working time over, over the course of a year. So every 10 minutes you can offload of your day-to-day -day grind, of your repetitive stuff, it gives you back a week of your life. So every hour you offload, it's six weeks of your life. So when you start thinking of it like that, you think if I just gave you six weeks right now to go and do the most valuable thing in your business, whatever that is, getting on the phone, find the deal, whatever it is, I'm sure you make you know you make your business more successful. And that's the mindset shift that we have to get people to make is to realize that saying to yourself, "It'll just take me ten minutes. I'll just crack on. It'd be easier just to do it myself," is actually costing you weeks and weeks of your life over the course of a year. And once people make that mindset shift. When you say, you know, find the time to do it, it it's not, it's not the hurdle is less than the, than the, than the goal or the, the gain. And if you have a systemized way of creating systems, your system for creating systems, 
it only takes you a couple of minutes to actually start offloading all the stuff you're currently doing. And then going back to your sort of original question. And then once you've got that freedom, when you've freed up your day-to-day workload or you've offloaded that, then you can start thinking about, okay, what's next? What else do I need to do? Or what else can I systemize or optimize in my business next? So that's the difference. I think that that's what, why it worked for me as a very business, very busy business owner and why it works so effectively for all of our clients. Because People don't come to me when things are going well and they're, oh yeah, I've got loads of time in the world. I don't need systems. Like they come to me when they're like, look, I'm literally working Ramming. 100 hours a week. Yeah. I'm desperate. I need, I need, I need something to change. And that's the people that, you know, I, I want to help. And, and you can't do that if you say to them, yeah, great, come on my course. It's going to be 60 hours of your work to go through the course. Then you're going to have to do all the work yourself and implement it. And so, no, you need to find a way to say, okay, how do I basically get you the business owner to as little as humanly possible and train your staff to do all the hard work for you from day one. And that's that's why I think that what we do works so well for, for the, our target market, which is you know, small business owners, busy, busy small business owners. Interesting. And I, I guess there's with with COVID and everything that's kind of happened in terms of people being virtual, I guess there's yeah. a lot more kind of use of virtual assistants. I mean, I've used virtual assistants on and off for years for different different tasks. And in fact, I've done it in exactly the way that you described. I just use a screen recorder, do the task that I'm doing and then ask somebody to repeat it. And if they can't yep. follow that, they, they, they probably should be working with me. Um, I don't do the documentation side of things, which I should, I know, but that, that doesn't always happen. So, um, yeah, interesting. And so, so, so the objective for you was to remove yourself completely from your business, aside from various things. Because I remember you saying that they were even managing payments and all, all you know, all, all aspects of, of the business. Is that realistic for a small business owner to, you know, in, I appreciate properties different in terms of, you know, it's that there are elements of, of, you know, kind of work required signing contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Is, is it, is it practical that somebody who's, you know, I don't know, got a plumbing company or an electrician's business or, you know, something, something that's, you know, inverted commas normal can, how much can they extrapolate themselves from that? So, it's a good question. We work with businesses in all different industries, about 29 different industries we've worked with so far. Um, okay. So a couple of my, my elite coaching clients at the moment, we've got a, a guy who runs a restaurant in central London okay. from his boat in the Mediterranean. We've got a, a lady who has 15 retail stores selling um, women's bags and apparel and that sort of stuff. And uh, she, she lives in Hawaii just randomly. And um, and so these are bricks and mortar type businesses. Right. Now, whether it's a plumber, a electrician, or you know a shop owner or a restaurateur or whatever as I've described, but it doesn't matter what the business is. All businesses have admin. All businesses have work that is done these days on a computer. Mm. And if your work is done on a computer, it doesn't matter where in the world that work is done. So when you now I've got one of my best mates in the UK. Guy called Andy. If you happen to watch this, which I doubt you will, Andy, but uh, listen to this. Sorry, then hi, Andy. Um, but he um, only because he doesn't listen to podcasts, and not because of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy is uh, uh, Andy's a window fitter, so right. but, like high end window fitter. So he goes and fits uh, like orangeries and all that sort of stuff at people's houses. And for years, I've been trying to get him to actually get an assistant, not just 
getting his mum to give him a handout with his you know books at the weekends and stuff but and and he's stuck in this mindset that you know he 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 really can't see how he could utilize somebody um and i'm just like trying to explain to him like your mum's not going to want to do this forever or your wife isn't going to be you know maybe she wants to have her own career doing something or maybe there's more values that, that those people could add on the ground doing stuff that only they can do like only they can do whether it's you know, going around actually you know, meeting people and getting new sales and whatever the key things is that these these valuable members of your staff have to do because of their either their skill set or their location or whatever but everything else that actually that they that they shouldn't really be doing or is taking them away from spending all their time on the highest value task that is the stuff that all businesses can get other people to do and in traditional sense you'd hire an assistant you'd hire a pa and they come and work in your office with you and you'd be like can you just send that email? Can you post that, you know, post that letter or whatever? Um, can you, can you just uh, run this report? Can you, um, you speak to this person? Whatever it is, all of that stuff, um, that can be done by anyone anywhere. Because just the fact they're sat in the office next to you, because that's the traditional way of thinking. But as people know, like you mentioned before, with, with things happening in the world recently, everyone's much more now used to working remotely. And mm. so a lot of that, that, that mindset shift that people used to really struggle with that idea of, well, I can't possibly, I've got to, I've got to be in the office. I've got to, you know, be around mm. people. We've moved on from that now. And I think that's opened up people's minds to the possibility. And so going really back to your question of, you know, if you're a plumber or electrician or whatever, you know, if you read the myth, he'll tell you, stop doing the plumbing, start running a business and hire a plumber. That's how you run a plumbing business. But that's another, another conversation for another day. Mm. But just being if you are the person doing the plumbing and that's where you earn your money, you get paid to turn up to a job and, you know, do the bathroom or whatever it is. Then if you're sat at home, writing up quotes, chasing up payments, updating your website, doing your social media marketing, you know, um, give, doing customer service, doing your bookkeeping. If that's what you're doing, you're doing in your, in your in inverted commas spare time, that's time you're not spending doing your, your income generating work. So all that time is costing you money. So if you could remove all of that work to somebody else, your earning capacity has just gone up significantly. And I hope if anyone is listening to this, that your business is earning more than three, four, five dollars an hour for the work that you're doing. Because if you offload, therefore, I, you know, I talk about it in one of my presentations that I often give, and it's if you can pay somebody less to do low value work than you can earn doing your highest value work, you'd be insane not to pay them to do it. Mm -hmm. Because you're not, it's not apples, it's not, you're not comparing apples for apples. You're not saying, you know, it's going to take me 10 minutes to do this bit of admin and, and therefore oh, I just do it myself. It's like, if I spend 10 minutes doing this admin, I'm not earning my whatever rate I'm getting at $100 and $200 an hour. So yeah, I could pay someone, even if in the UK, 20, 20 pound an hour, 15 pound an hour, whatever, a PA in the UK. And but I know I can earn hundred pound an hour, then you're crazy not to, not to do it. Unless you haven't got enough work, in which case you probably need someone to help you with your marketing to get more work in. Yeah. So it's sort of, you know, if that, that's the mindset that people need to, to, to shift if they're still stuck in that one man, one person band mentality that you've got to do everything yourself. It's, yeah. You've got to do some stuff yourself until you figure out how not to do it yourself. Cause you, Bill Gates uh, or whoever, like any, any big company, they will start out doing everything themselves. Mm. And then, over the over the years they remove themselves more and more and more until they become this this you know in the in the ether sort of uh observer of the company uh, you know who doesn't actually do anything apart from you know maybe think and and lead and inspire 
And and that's the journey that you've got to decide if you want to go on. You have to go all the way to the size of something like Microsoft or whatever. But you know, if you want to stay doing all the work in your business for the rest of your life and and, and limiting your earning potential massively, then fine. But if you want to have the freedom to you know, go on holiday uh, without taking your laptop with you, actually connect with your family when you're there and, and and just be able to do the stuff you want to do then you've got to figure out how to free up some time and so that's that's you know in my opinion that's the the, way, the easiest way to do it is to offload all that stuff that doesn't require you physically to do it yeah really interesting i think one of the things that kind of excites me about you know the, the kind of advent of technology and how things have moved is the ability to actually create these companies from scratch and i've you know, I've done that a couple of times where, you know, built a website for something, don't have any actual trade involved in that myself, get leads for something and then go and find someone who can actually carry out the trade. So I implement these kind of systems and processes into a company with a view that you create something that's potentially more scalable than, you know, a traditional shop that, you know, provides X or Y service. What do, what do you think about that that kind of power of the internet and is that something that you personally leverage well you obviously are because you're doing facebook groups etc and you're doing live broadcasts so so do, do you do you see and consider that to be a key part of your kind of personal strategy as well um as in using using the internet to aid the growth of my business is that yeah, yeah, but 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 and and also the kind of advent of technology and I, I know before we came online we were talking about different marketing structures and marketing automation that you can implement yeah. into into your businesses. You're, you're using that stuff as well to complement the use of you know virtual assistants etc. As well, I, I I assume. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, just the simple fact that I'm able to work with people anywhere in the world, and most of my team are based in the Philippines. I have a, also got a marketing manager in South Africa and my um, my tech, I've got one tech guy as in like a backend programmer based in Pakistan and one in one in the Philippines as well. And um, so the, ability, the, the simple fact that I can do that, that I can actually basically go out to a global workforce and pick the 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 best talent at the, the price point that I'm I'm want to pay. And I'm not competing, like I'm not competing against every other company in the UK or fighting for the for the for the same the same top people i'm 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 reaching out to you know potentially billions of potential workers many many hundreds of millions uh, in any fact and that makes it easier to find great people so the internet has allowed me to find great people and actually more cost effectively because i can hire them from a country where the cost of living means that i can pay them a great wage they're loving it but it's actually costing me less than it would to hire somebody locally so that's the first thing is like without that without the internet that wouldn't be possible. Yeah. Um, and that comes obviously the infrastructure of the internet in those countries. So for example, the Philippines, generally speaking, has pretty good uh, internet, yeah. affected a bit by storms now and again, but generally mm. speaking, it's pretty good. Um, but then the other thing is just the, the technology side of stuff as well, which you touched on, like the automation tools. So I went all in with automation. And again, it's actually something I talk about, I talked about on a webinar recently. Um, I went all in, I mean, it was seriously in. I'm, I'm a proper geek when it comes to 